Well, this morning we are going to continue our sermon series through the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bible, grab a Bible and turn to Luke chapter 5. If you do not have a Bible, the passage of Scripture should be printed in your bulletin this morning. It's a passage of Scripture that many of you are probably familiar with this morning. I'm going to give you a heads up. This morning's sermon is going to be delivered in a little bit of a different way. It may take you a little bit to catch on to what we're doing this morning, but I pray and I trust the Holy Spirit will use it um, to strike you in a fresh way this morning with God's Word. That's my hope. My goal is not to entertain, but to apply God's Word to the necessity and capacities of its hearers, is what the Westminster Larger Catechism says. Hear God's Word this morning. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, talking about Jesus, uh, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is another name for the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray. Almighty God, come with a demonstration of your power this morning. Not with fish and nets, but by your word and spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's nothing fishy about fishing whatsoever. It's the art of war is what it is. It's man versus fin. It's girls versus gills. It's the art of war. Now, some of you fish for fun. I always fish 
for food. Some of you like to fish for relaxation, but fishing has always been my vocation. One of the best things about fishing is whenever you go out on a fishing expedition, you always encounter a great adventure. Every fishing adventure brings back a great story. It could be a simple brush with death. It could be a story about the big one that got away. There's always a story to remember. Now this morning I want to share with you one of my own fishing stories. It's a true story now. I know what you think when you hear fishing story. You think it's one of those far-fetched stories, don't you? Well, that's not this, the point of today's story that I want to share with you. It's a true story. That's a fishing story. That's part of my story. It's a fishing story that changed my life forever. You see, James, John, and I had been out fishing all night long. You probably know them as the old sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. <laughs> they were quite a battle and a force to be reckoned with on the, on the waves and on the sea. We had toiled all night. We had been working hard. And we hadn't caught a blasted thing, not even one single fish. We made our way back to shore there at the Sea of Galilee, and we were exhausted. Our backs felt broken. Our muscles moaned. Our heads bobbed from a night of exhaustion, and our eyes burned for sleep. You see, when we went fishing, we, we, we took our boats. I was proud of my boat, and they were proud of their boats. Our boats were about seven and a half feet wide, and they were about 27 feet long. They had a crew, and I had a crew. And whenever we went out fishing, we didn't use those fancy little sissy lures and, and poles that you use today. No, we, we took nets with us. They were about 100 feet in length, and they were a semicircle, and we had a team, a crew, that would cast the net into the sea, and then we would have to pull it back hand over hand. It was grueling. Your muscles would flex, your veins would bulge, and your body would ache. And if you didn't catch a thing, you cast it out again, and you rinsed and repeated all night long. Now, why did we fish at night? It was simple. It wasn't because we're night owls, but if you fish during the daylight, it's a waste of time. The way the sun sparkles on the sea, the fish see the net coming and they simply swim away. So we would fish at night because that's the way you would fish in stealth mode, you might say. So when we cast the net, the fish never saw it coming. As we made our way back to shore, we were exhausted and we had accepted our defeat for the day. And as we began mending our nets and checking them with the tedious process that it would take, we would check to see that our nets had not been ripped or torn in any way, shape, or form. They weighed about a thousand pounds together when they were wet. It was right about that time that we looked up and we heard a crowd coming down the banks, they were following Jesus. 
<laughs> I remember thinking to myself, well, there's a school of fish, but they're following Jesus. They're not ready to be fed today yet. As Jesus made his way down onto the shore, the crowd pressed in against him, and we just continued to mend our nets and con- continue to inspect them so that we might let them dry and fold them up and put them in our boats until the next night. I was ready to go home. I was ready to get some sleep. I was exhausted. I was tired. But the good rabbi came upon us and he asked me, he said, Simon Peter, may I get in your boat? Kind of let me push off a little bit from shore. The crowd's kind of pressing in on me today and I I need a I need a floating stage, a floating pulpit of sorts. I was ready to go home. I said, of course, Master, absolutely. So I allowed Jesus to get in my boat. I pushed him offshore just a little bit. And sure enough, as he sat there on the boat, as a rabbi would do, as was the rabbi's custom, he taught that day. And the way that the banks were that day, the way that his voice echoed off the still waters of Galilee, it made a natural amphitheater that day. Have you ever met someone that just knows how to tell a story? They just keep you on the edge of your seat, spellbound, waiting for the punchline. That's the way Jesus was. As he continued to teach, we continued to work our nets. And occasionally I would look up and I would see James and John kind of crack a smile at a joke that Jesus told and an illustration he used. And soon Jesus had finished teaching and he asked me direct. It was more of a command than a suggestion. He said, Simon Peter, why don't we push out a little bit deeper into the sea and let down our nets? I was ready to go home. (laughs) And I thought to myself in the back of my mind, you know, Jesus, you're a carpenter's son. You deal with the wood. I'm a professional fisherman. I know about the water. We've been fishing all night long. We haven't caught one fish. There's no need to think that if we go out now in the middle of broad daylight that we've got a chance against them. But I had a gut check. And I said, Jesus, at your word, we will go. And at your word, I'll let down my net. And so we pushed off from shore, and my crew was with me. And at the word of Jesus, we let down our net. We went through the motion. It was more muscle memory than it was apathy. And no sooner than the net hit the water and began to sink, me and my crew began to pull. And it would barely budge. Our muscles flexed, our veins began to bulge, and we began to pull the net as hard as we could. I looked at my crew and they looked at me And in the distance, I could see James and John, and we whistled, and we waved. We pleaded, 
We begged them to come as we began to pull the multitude of fish that our nets had just captured. And we could hear the nets begin to tear. And we began to cry out, James, John, help. Help. We've been waiting for this all night long. Help. And I noticed James and John's eyes begin to bulge the way they do in some of your cartoons this day and age. And quickly they got in their boat and began making their way to us. And as our nets began to tear, we began to pull the, the fish over into our boat. And James and John made their way there and they threw down their net and they began pulling their nets towards their boat. But now their nets were breaking because there was a multitude of fish, more than we could count, more than we would have ever imagined. And there was Jesus. In my boat. And the demonstration of his power. I let go of the net. And I fell down before him. And I said, get away from me, Jesus. For I'm a sinful man. I will deserve to even be in your presence. As I uttered the words, I could remember the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. I had heard read many times in the synagogue from Isaiah 6. As he said, I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. At this very moment, that was me. I was having an Isaiah moment, that moment on the water before Rabbi Jesus. And the only thing more powerful than the miracle I had just witnessed were the words that Jesus would utter. Twelve words that would change my life forever. It was more of a smile than a smirk when he said it. It was a look of sympathy and compassion as he said, do not be afraid. How could he say it? I would learn later why he would say it. I would learn later how he could say it. See, the one that had just called me had saved me. And the one before whose knees I had fallen, I would soon rise forgiven. The words he spoke were words of comfort. Do not be afraid. With the power that he had commanded me to let down the nets was the same power he would use 
to send my sin into the deepest sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. And as he saved me, he simultaneously sent me. As he said, do not be afraid, he said, from now on, you will be catching men. I knew the play on words he was using. I was a fisherman. I catch fish for a living. But he was telling me now, I would no longer be catching fish to be thrown on a frying pan before the fire. But rather now, he would change me and commission me to go to lower down gospel nets so that men and women would be called and caught alive, snatched from the fire of hell rather than sent to the fire. And so I rose in that moment. Saved and sent. Why? Why would I bother to take your time this morning with my story? Why would I bother you with such a fishing tale this morning? It's simple. My story resembles your story. For many of you came in here this morning living your lives, minding your own business, ready to go to work tomorrow to do what you normally do. But Jesus has come upon you this morning. And he's calling you to come. And by the power of his word this morning, he's calling you. And some of you may have been afraid in the past, or some of you might be afraid this morning. But he looks at you this morning, even in your sin, and he says, do not be afraid. Why? Because the one that had the power to call me has the power to call you. And the one that had the power to save me has the power to save you. The one that has the power to forgive me and to cast my sin into the deepest sea of forgetfulness can do the same for you. And the one who saves me can save you. That's why you read this morning your worship service. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's nothing shady or fishy about it. It's true. The same Jesus that saved me is the same Jesus that saves you. And the same Jesus that sent me is the same Jesus that sends you. You may not fish for a living. You might teach for a living. You might be a banker for a living. You might be a farmer. 
You might be a truck driver. But regardless of your vocation, everyone leaves here this morning with the same mission. To catch men. To catch women. I'm aware that not many churches are growing in your day and age. Jesus says, you will catch men. Perhaps the reason why you're not catching is because you're not casting. Perhaps the reason you're not catching is you're not casting the gospel net regularly. You notice we cast our net that day in the least likely time, in the least likely way, in broad daylight, and yet our Lord Jesus moved. Friends, I would encourage you to do the same thing, that even in the moments where it seems least likely to have the most success, cast the gospel net. Because the same, one that's, the same one that saved me and sent me is the same one that saves you and sends you. What should motivate us to do so? His love. Oh, for the wonderful love he has promised for you and for me. And though we are sinners, there is mercy and pardon. Pardon for you and for me. And so softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling a sinner like me and a sinner like you to come home. And so let us cast the gospel net, friends. Because we know we've been saved by his power and we've been sent by his power. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that Peter was saved by you and sent by you. In Luke's second volume called the book of Acts, we read on the day of Pentecost that the apostle Peter cast the gospel net on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 souls were added to their number that day. A few chapters later, we read of Peter and John the disciple we read about this morning as well, standing before the Sanhedrin and the Jewish council, and there was skepticism, there was resentment, there was bitterness, there was opposition, and yet in the face of such 
opposition. Your word was powerful to move and be successful so that 5,000 men and more were added to their number that day. Father, in my life, in our lives, demonstrate your power this day and this week with your word and spirit working in tandem. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people agreed saying, amen.